This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Eye on Washington on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now, your host, Jessica Clement. Welcome to Eye on Washington. I am your host, Jessica Clement, and I am joined today by the federal benefits expert, Tammy Flanagan. Hi, Jesse. I feel honored that I'm one of your first guests on this podcast, so I'm anxious to share some information with your listeners about what's going on this open season. There's no one else, Tammy, that I would have asked to do the open season episode of Eye on Washington. I'm thrilled to have you here. I can't imagine anyone listening does not know who you are, but in case they don't, uh, Tammy and I worked together for many years in my role at NARF, and she is the person that I would go to to answer my open season questions, my federal retirement questions, TSP the whole nine. Tammy is the principal and owner of Retire Federal. Tammy, how do you describe the services that you provide to federal employees and retirees? It fills a need. I found that when I left my role in Washington, where I was doing a lot of stand-up teaching for agencies and different retirement planning programs, that I would always get questions from employees at the end of the program saying, hey, do you consult with people individually? Can I hire you to help me through the process of retirement? And I'm thinking to myself, nobody's going to pay for this. You know, they can go to their HR office, they can get help there, and they're not going to be charged. But what I found out was that the role of the HR office sometimes is kind of distant to employees where they may have to do it all through an email or they may find that somebody is not as experienced as they need to be with certain problems that may crop up. So I kind of feel that need. If somebody really needs to talk with somebody one-on-one, someone who has the time to listen, the time to do any research or help them through that process, that's why they hire me. So we do pre-retirement counseling right now. We've been doing a lot of Medicare versus FEHB counseling for employees and retirees in particular who are turning 65. So um, I don't really look for business because I do a lot of other things. I'm still teaching, but people seem to find me. So thank you for that little plug for my business. I am happy to. As someone who has firsthand knowledge of Tammy's services, she definitely fills a void that exists in the federal community. And Tammy, I am happy to have you as an advocate for federal employee and retirees, someone to help them out, as well as knowledgeable enough to be here today with me. And I appreciate it. So for those people who have listened to the show before, you know that every month we take a look at policies that are going on in Washington that affect the federal community. But because this month's show falls during the federal benefits open season, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about the information federal employees and retirees need to make informed decisions about their health insurance benefits. You know, full disclosure for my audience, my husband is a federal retiree. I've been covered by FEHBP for a long time um, as a result. So, you know, I've had my own questions over the years as well. So, Tammy, thank you again for being here. You are such an incredible source of information. But because I've been out of the game for a couple of years now, let's start with some basics. What are the open season dates? The open season dates, well, November 13th, it all begins. Actually, it started last month, actually, before November 13th, because that's when you'll start seeing the brochures come out, the websites are getting updated, information's leaking out of OPM that we start to research and fine-tune how we're going to help employees. But technically, November 13th through December 11th, 
is the open season period for FEHB, which is our health benefits, FSA Feds, which is the flexible spending account for employees, and FedVIP, which is the dental and vision insurance supplement. So all three of those programs are open from November 13th to December 11th, and employees and retirees alike hopefully are studying their plans, trying to figure out what to do for next year, and in the process, hopefully getting better coverage and saving some money along the way. I think we have found over the years, Tammy, that we work together, that people tend to experience inertia when they (laughs) are looking at open season. My plan is good enough. My plan has suited my needs. Changing is scary. Uh, But before we get into a deep dive on what's new for this year, what people should be looking at based on their age and where they are in their career, let's go back to the basics for a little bit. Premiums went up, right? What was the average premium increase for FEHB? Well, the average was somewhere around 7%, I think, but I never really pay attention to that average because if your premium went up 50%, who cares about the average? Or maybe your premium didn't change at all for next year, so you're happy. So what I suggest is number one for open season starters, look at your plan brochure. You can look at it online. You can download it. You can call the insurance company. They'll send you a paper copy. But if you do nothing else, look at your plan brochure because on the cover, it's going to give you page references to number one, what are the premiums going to be next year? Are they going up, going down? Are they staying the same? Number two, they're going to tell you what is changing in that plan for next year. Is it going to have a higher deductible? Is it going to cover more things than what was covered this year? Is there a new program within that benefit that might be interesting or attractive to you? Um, Look at those things as far as cost sharing. What's your deductible as well as co-payments and co-insurance? Are those changing? What's the catastrophic cap? Then the other thing I would tell people to look at is just an overview of that plan. And there's a link to that on that homepage of that plan brochure as well. That's going to give you a wealth of information without reviewing all 174 pages of that plan brochure. And you hit it on the head, Jesse. It's paralysis by too much analysis is what I always say during open season, because with 158 different health plans, and even if you narrow it down to the 42 that are available in the D.C. area or the 27 or however many is available in South Dakota, it's still a lot to look at, still a lot to consider, a lot to compare So I always tell employees and retirees to narrow down their choices as much as possible. Find your top three or top four. Start with your plan and then find other plans that look very similar or or very different if you're looking for something new. And then try to compare and contrast those top three options. And then you can find the one that's really going to work best for you. Paralysis by overanalysis. I think that is the new name of this show. So we're going to go ahead and change that. Um, but I think that's a great webinar topic for you, Tammy, at some point in the future. Like it is overwhelming, right? And I remember many, many moons ago, and I'm not even going to say how many years ago, when I was fresh out of college and working on Capitol Hill and had to pick a health insurance plan for the first time ever. And I'm sitting here going, what do I do? And the answer is, you just pick Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, or talk to your next door neighbor and say, what do you have? (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, I did what my office manager told me to do, right? I didn't know. And I was really poor because I was working at Capitol Hill. (laughs) So you pick one with low premiums and I, you know, the basic plan. And when it was 22, like it, it suited your needs. Right. But then you just tend to stick with that because it's the devil, you know, 
So if I am enrolled in one plan and I need, I want to go look at that front page of my plan brochure, like you just said, mm-hmm. do I go to the plans website? Do I go to OPM's website? Where do I start with this? All of the above. So All whatever above. you're, okay. yeah, whatever you're comfortable with, because I deal with a lot of retirees and you know, mm-hmm. Jesse, having worked at NARF, that some of our older retirees are not as computer savvy. So they'd be happier with a phone call or a letter they write in the mail. So they may be better to call that number on the back of their card, their health insurance card, and they can get information that way. If you're computer savvy, by all means, you know, go to the website of your plan. There you can find the plan brochure that you can search for it using keywords and locate really those things that are important to you. You can also go to the plan website just for overview. There's lots of wonderful information. Some plans are offering webinars during the open season. There's virtual health fairs that you can go to. I know in Montgomery County, Congressman Preskin, I was a guest on his uh, open season webinar. There's lots of ways to learn. And again, there's almost too much information, right? So you have to find whatever works for you and kind of narrow it down. You were mentioning Blue Cross and you have to, it goes without saying, Blue Cross is the most popular, most commonly elected federal health plan. But even within Blue Cross, you have three choices. You have Blue Cross Standard, which is high option, believe it or not. You have Blue Cross Basic, which is really standard option. And then you have Blue Cross Focus, which is the value plan. So the problem is these plans aren't even using the same language between one plan to the other. So Blue Cross's Focus is really another plan's value plan. Blue Cross's Standard is another plan's high option. And Blue Cross Basic is another plan's standard option. So how how do you expect us to figure this out, OPM, right? Let's standardize some of this. And I was looking within those, just for example, within those three Blue Cross plans, standard options going up over 10%, 10 10.75% next year. Blue Cross Basic is going up over 12%. But Blue Cross Focus, the newest of the three, going up 2%. So even within a plan family, you're seeing different increases, different cost factors. From what I understand about what influences the cost of your health plan, it's not how good it is. You know, I go by the old thing my mother used to say, you get what you pay for. Well, that doesn't apply to health benefits. What happens with health plans, if they have a high utilization, meaning they got a lot of people in there who needed heart surgery, who needed very expensive specialized medications, that plan is going to be a lot higher because of that utilization. So that's what's going to drive that cost. I mean, and that's the conversation we used to have every year when the federal retirees would complain that their FEHB premiums were the exact same price as the employees who don't have Medicare. You know, so retirees with Medicare pay the same premiums as employees without Medicare. Shouldn't mine be lower? Medicare pays first. You know, I had this conversation every single time I traveled for NARF. And it's like, well, yes, because you having Medicare bring those costs down for everyone. And there's like, millions of people in the Blue Cross Blue Shield plan, right? So that's spread out over so many people. Um, Tammy, one quick question, I think, before we take a break, you know, you talked about these increases with Blue Cross Blue Shield proving that the average is largely irrelevant. (laughs) Are there any other plans that jumped out at you in terms of pricing, either high or low or stagnant, that you think would be worth flagging? Yeah, well, there is a new plan. So if you're in the intelligence community, Compass Rose came out with a standard option. Their high option plan used to be fairly pricey, but this new standard option is very inexpensive. So it might be a good plan for someone who's eligible for that plan. 
Um, another thing to look for is some of the HMOs. Not to say this is a bad plan or don't join this plan or get out of this plan. There might be a better plan option because in the Aetna Health Fund, their consumer-driven plan here in Florida, where I live, it went up on a monthly basis, $127 a month for family coverage and $110 a month for plus one. And even the self-only is over $55 a month more. And that's a lot. Those are big that's increases, a lot. That's right? That's a huge okay. increase, right? That's a huge increase. And some right below that, there's one that went down, which is also an Aetna plan. It's the Aetna value plan went down $39 for plus one, $21 for, for self and family. So you can't not look at these premiums and your own plan to see what's happening there. Because if it becomes unaffordable, there's another plan very comparable that might fit you perfectly for less money. We have barely scratched the surface and we are going to take our first break. Um, You are listening to Eye on Washington on the Federal News Network. I am Jessica Clement and my guest today is Tammy Flanagan, principal of Retire Federal. Welcome back to Eye on Washington on the Federal News Network. I am your host, Jessica Clement, and I am joined today by Tammy Flanagan, who I very lovingly refer to as the federal benefits expert. We are talking about the federal benefits open season. Tammy, I want to talk about some of the changes that are coming to the plans that do not have anything to do with the costs of them. One of the things you and I talked about before the show was the new plans that are offering options we haven't seen before such as in vitro fertilization. Can you talk about some of these changes uh, for 2024? Sure. Well, to give you a little background on how this comes about, at the early part of the year, in fact, OPM is probably already gearing up for the 2024 open season, even though we just started the 2023 open season. So they'll send out what they call a call letter to all the health plan carriers. And they'll say, here are the things we want to look at and emphasize for the next plan year. So one of the things that OPM told the plans about was that we need to provide coverage for infertility because Mm -hmm. this is a big request by our employees and our young families that are trying to start a family and they're having issues. So what can we do? And the plans responded very generously. There are some plans that are providing $25,000 next year for the cost of treatment. There are many plans. I think there's 24 plans that are including national plans like Blue Cross and Foreign Service Benefit Plan that will offer this broader coverage for IVF-related services and benefits. You'll also see six plans that offer discounted and negotiated rates for non-covered assisted reproductive technology procedures. These are called affinity benefits, so they're not necessarily an insurance benefit, but you can see those in your plan brochures, and they'll be described there on the plan websites as well. So you'll find that information there. But the important thing to note is this is the first time FEHB plans have really taken this on as a benefit that they really want to provide for families who need this coverage. And so that's something to be applauded, I think, because there's a lot of people I meet on a day-to-day basis who are looking for help here. And up until now, they've been paying out of pocket a tremendous amount for this type of care. Thanks so much, Tammy. From the IVF route to the Medicare route, let's, <laughs> little, let's, go to, in life, right? let's go to the other end of the spectrum. There are some new benefits or maybe complications is the better word as it relates to Medicare Part D, which we should probably cover and could probably take up its own show in and of itself. But before we do that, let's take a quick look. 
Part A, Part B, why federal employees and retirees don't have to worry about Part C and then Part D. Can you just give us a brief overview of all the Medicare topics? Sure. Well, first of all, federal employees initially, going back to when FEHB first started in 1960, were exempt because Medicare didn't even come around till 1965. So we were already strong going with FEHB and we were exempt from Medicare taxes and Medicare benefits all the way till 1983. So in 1983, federal employees for the first time had to pay the Medicare hospital insurance tax, which is Part A. That's the hospital part of Medicare. So why not take Part A when you turn 65? There's no premium because you've already had to pay that payroll tax. Then Part B is the big question. That's the one we get the most confusion about. Part B is outpatient care, doctor visits, lab work, physical therapy. All of that comes under Medicare Part B, but for a price. The premium next year for the average federal retiree for Part B is over $174 a month per person. But then we have to deal with the income-related monthly adjustment amount that can take that over two, three, four, up to over $500 a month per person. You don't have to take Part B. However, many of the federal plans offer incentives so that you can enroll in Part B and get your money's worth even though you're paying that extra premium. So the- and it's probably worth mentioning why, like why, if you're a retiree, right, and your premiums just went up 10% or 12%, um, and now you're looking at a minimum of another $170, like why would you take Part B? Like why are they giving you incentives to take well, Part B? If you're retired and over 65 and you enroll in Medicare Part B, that becomes the primary payer for your outpatient care. So Medicare is going to pay, for the most part, 80% of those doctor visits and outpatient surgery and lab work. Medicare is footing most of the bill. So it's no surprise that your federal health plans want you to enroll in Part B, although they can't require it. So far, at least for most federal employees, there's no requirement. That will all change next year, but we don't have to worry about that yet, under the Postal Service Health Benefit Plan. But for plan year 2024, which is what we're talking about today, nobody has to be in Part B. So what you'll get by enrolling in Part B, at least in certain plan options, is you won't pay a deductible anymore. Medicare will pay their 80%. Your federal plan will pick up the other 20%, and you're covered 100% for those doctor visits. You'll no longer have to meet your plan deductible, where you might have otherwise paid $350 before any coverage now you're covered from the first doctor visit in January. And coinsurance, when there's a 20% or a 15% coinsurance for that outpatient surgery, that can add up to literally thousands of dollars pushing you towards that catastrophic cap. But if you have Medicare as the primary payer, it's covered 100%. So there's good reason for retirees to consider enrollment in Part B. However, you gotta offset the cost by the savings. And at 65, many, many retirees are still enjoying excellent health. They're going to the doctor once a year for a checkup. They're not seeing the benefit of enrolling in Part B. And sometimes they're not willing to change to a plan that really dovetails nicely with Medicare. So we do run into some problems trying to convince retirees of their options and the benefits of perhaps changing plans to one that's going to work better at a lower cost with Medicare Part B. You said that there are 
now FEHB plans that are coordinating with Part D. That's yes. prescription drugs, right? right. Well, so to cover Part C and D, this is kind of where we're heading next. Oh, goodness. So Here we go. We, I know. So before we get to Part D, we got to do our ABCs in the right order. Part C is where a lot of times during this time of the year, you watch television or you pick up a magazine and you see all these advertisements for free gym membership or silver sneakers or meal delivery. If you come out of the hospital and you can't cook anymore, you don't feel like cooking or transportation to the doctors or physical therapy after you've had surgery. These are called Medicare Advantage plans that have these incentives for these extra perks on top of just ordinary health care. So these plans are now available through many FEHB plans. In fact, the only national plan that doesn't offer a Medicare Advantage enhancement is Blue Cross. So whether you're with GEHA, mail handlers, foreign service, you name it, the federal plans are offering, in addition to their basic health plan, you can join a Part C or Medicare Advantage plan. Now, one of the drawbacks, one of the things to be cautious of is that these are not always going to be accepted at every provider. So you not only have to have Medicare A and B when you join Part C, but you also got to make sure that your hospital, that your providers, your doctors, your labs are going to take that Part C plan. If they don't, you can drop that enhancement and go back to your original FEHB plan carrier. Now, the Part C plans that we've had in the FEHB for several years now, they incorporate the drug benefits of Medicare. So they're going to have a different formulary for your drugs. They're going to have different uh, pre-certification requirements and approvals for certain medications. That's what Part D is. It's a Medicare drug benefit plan. You're already used to that if you've used a Medicare Advantage plan. But let's say you're in Blue Cross Standard or Blue Cross Basic. You've never had to worry about Part D because when you read the front cover of your FEHB plan brochure, it says you don't need Part D because your federal health plan provides as good of coverage as Medicare. So just use your FEHB plan. Well, that was until the Inflation Reduction Act was passed in 2022, which gave some additional benefits to Medicare Part D by law that the FEHB plans and OPM wanted to offer to federal employees. So some of these benefits that are going to be attractive to our audience is going to be a limit on out-of-pocket drug costs. For example, Blue Cross standard option next year will limit your out-of-pocket drug costs to no more than $2,000. So if you have a drug, I know my husband was on one time, not thankfully not anymore, but on a heart medication that was costing us $600 every three months to fill his prescription. So just for that one medication, we were spending $2,400 a year out of pocket. Well, now that's going to be limited to no more than $2,000, even if he has to fill four prescriptions. So some of our older retirees will really benefit from that cap, uh, spending cap on out-of-pocket expenses for prescriptions. So does Medicare, they don't lose out on those prescription drugs. Somebody else just picks up the cost. Is that what I hear you saying? They just can't charge more than that. You can't pay more. They just can't charge more. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't affect your husband's ability to get get those drugs (laughs) that he needs. It would just affect that he doesn't have to pay for it anymore. Am I understanding Mm -hmm. that correctly? Uh, That's yet to be seen, right? Because you may now have to get your doctor to pre-approve that medication where before you were already approved for taking it. So it could be a few more hoops you got to jump through, perhaps. I don't know for sure. I don't think anybody does at this point because we haven't seen this plan in action. But 
it is for some people, especially those who have tier three and tier four and even tier five medications, this can save them some money next year. Because everybody knows what tier their medications are in, right? Like this whole time, like listening to you talk about this. Let's just say cheap and expensive, right? (laughs) Cheap and expensive, right? I'm just sitting here going, no wonder there's all this paralysis. I know. You know, this is incredibly complicated. But I think, you know, you go to the OPM plan comparison tool or the consumer checkbook, or you read all the open season information that Fed News Network will have on their page. You know, you go to NARF and you watch the, like, when you read it, it sounds really complicated. But once you start talking about it, you're like, okay, I, I can figure this out, right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But with something new like this prescription drug benefit, what we're running into, number one, this really took retirees off guard because this wasn't an opt-in program, it's an opt-out. So if you have Medicare Part A and or Medicare Part B, many plans are opting you into this without even you requesting it. So you get this letter in the mail that says, guess what, you've got a new drug plan for next year. And of course, as federal retirees, we're skeptics sometimes. We're wondering what's in it for the plan more more so than what are we going to get out of it. So we've, we've seen a lot of fear in what is this and how is it going to change my medications? Will I have to get, you know, something different? And what if I'm traveling? Retirees like to travel. They go overseas. They travel to other countries. So these Medicare Part D plans do not cover drugs overseas. So fill your prescriptions before you take your trip. You'll still be covered for emergency care because that's your federal health plan, not the drug benefit. But, you know, don't think that you're going to go over to Europe and fill your prescription for whatever drug that you need to fill. It would be covered if you're in the emergency room. So you should be fine. Unfortunately, we are coming to the end of our time together. There are seven topics that I had wanted to discuss (laughs) with you that we haven't gotten to. But I did want to give you um, an opportunity to close out the show by telling people where they can go to learn more about their options. Like full disclosure, flipping through the NARF magazine before putting this together, looked up what my health insurance benefits were going to go up next year. Um, So I know NARF is an excellent resource. And I think anyone listening to the show would expect me to say that the NARF resources are where they should go. Um, And you provide a lot of webinars for the NARF members as well. Um, but are there any places in particular, you know, where, you, where do you direct people? Where are the best places to go to get more information about open season? Well, I'll start with NARF because I'm in the midst of recording webinar five for open season this year. So, yes, we've done a lot of work at NARF, NARF.org, to um, help employees and specifically retirees understand what's happening this open season. Another excellent resource I've used it for at least 40 years, and I think it's been around for 45 years is the Checkbook Guide to Federal Health Plans. And OPM has its own version of that. They have a plan comparison program as well. So if you go to opm.gov, that's your jumping off point, and then find healthcare and then find plan information, that's where you'll find the link to both the Checkbook Guide and the OPM plan comparison, as well as a map of the United States where you can click on your state and see a dropdown of all the plans that are available to you. So that's where I would start and then go to those plan websites and review the brochures. I know it's homework, but spend at least as much time on choosing your health plan for next year as you might spend planning that next trip overseas. Tammy, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Eye on Washington. Um, I can't believe a half an hour just flew by. It usually does. 
So again, to everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Jessica Clement. I was joined today by Tammy Flanagan, principal of Retire Federal and the federal benefits expert. You have listened to Ion Washington on the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ion Washington on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and all of our past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.